Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Galaxy Kingdom Podcast. I am one of your amazing co-hosts, Krista Williams. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm joined by my equally awesome co-host, Lizzie and Jazzy. Hello. Hello, I am Jazzy, she, they. I am Lizzie, she or he. And we are back for another for another exciting episode, I guess. Um, you know, uh, the world is um, is sure is bright, isn't it? It's really bright and shiny, isn't it? Yeah, speaking of bright and shiny, I watched Thor Love and Thunder the other day. <laughs> That's a segue. Getting on the segue. To give. Without Go ahead. Spoilers. Without spoil. Yeah, I won't spoil anything. Because I do want to see it. Now, I'll say this. Um, I know I'm not exactly the biggest lover of Marvel films in this podcast. I know I've been very critical to a lot of them. Not, uh, not without justification, but I still feel like I'm not, like, completely without reason. But you have to understand, I was hyped for this movie, because I did like Thor Ragnarok quite a bit, actually. And I do like Taika Waititi's work. So I want you to keep in mind, I went, I am about to say what I am about to say as someone who really wanted to like this movie and was ready to enjoy it and defend it from all the haters. This shit was bad. Oh, no. It was really bad. Like, I need people to be full of shit. No, 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 no. Like, no. The people who are hating it for stupid reasons, they're full of shit, but it's not that it's, but it's not a good movie at all. It is bad. It is queer baity as well, so sorry. <laughs> sorry, you don't get gays. People are gonna be mad at that. You don't get Listen. gays beyond a couple scenes that they can remove from the international release. <laughs> I saw the worst take about this issue on TikTok the other day. I haven't seen the movie yet, but it was just the absolute worst take. Well, like, no, the biggest problem isn't that it was trying to be queer. The biggest problem was it wasn't. It was it was one of the straightest movies trying des- with a desperately gay center trying to get out I've ever seen. But it's not like something like... It doesn't fulfill a fun niche of a movie that's trying so hard to be straight but ends up being really gay, like something like Fast and Furious or Highlander or something like that. No, 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 no. What it is is that I believe, okay, I believe the director when he said he wanted this movie to be gay. I believe him 100%, and I believe Tessa Thompson when she said she wanted Valkyrie's bisexuality to be explored. I believe them when they all said that. You know who I don't believe in? Disney! Like, as soon as Taika said he wanted this movie to be gay, I knew Disney was going to fuck it up somehow. Because no gay films allowed, you see. No, of course not. Why would they be? No, um, this movie's humor is, like, I'm never a fan of a lot of MCU movies' humor, but even without that in mind, even looking at this objectively, this the humor in this movie is so bad, and that's unfortunate because it takes up a good chunk of the movie. I, I dare say call this movie a bad comedy. Like, there's a running joke, and this isn't a spoiler. There's a running joke where Thor has two goats, and they do the screaming goat meme from from like a decade ago. 
and they do it constantly. It's throughout the entire runtime that these goats are around screaming, and I shit you not, I had a headache by the time this film was over, and I'm not, that's not me, that's not hyperbole, I walked out of the theater with my head hurting, because of these fucking goats. Um, like I said, nothing gay in the movie outside some lines, but a couple lines that they can just remove from international releases, because of course, it's the Disney way. Uh, as far as a lot of the effects looked really bad, um, the performances were shockingly awful. I love Natalie Portman, but holy shit, this was one of her worst performances by far, and I say that having watched Attack of the Clones. Okay, listen, because that was a point of concern for me, TBH. Mm -hmm. The clips I saw of her in the trailers, I was like, why are your wine boots so weird? No, no, uh, it's I was just hoping that the clips were cut together poorly. No, they weren't. It's all bad. All the acting in this movie's terrible. Minus one performance. Christian Bale was the poor man's back must be shattered because he was practically carrying this fucking movie. Oh no. Like like his performance was genuinely enjoyable. It had a good amount of scenery chewing, but like when he had to be dramatic, it actually worked. I actually really liked this performance, but everyone else was terrible. I've like Chris Hemsworth, I usually find very entertaining as this character, but he looked so done before this movie started. Uh probably cuz they uh, hey, I don't blame him if if my character was turned into an overlong fat joke in, in Avengers Endgame, I'd be tired too. <laughs> um yeah, he was bad. Tessa Thompson was shockingly bad in this. Um Russell Crowe, good God, he's not in the movie that much, but every every line he has, I'm wondering what the fucking direction was, because he plays Zeus like he's fucking Borat. And I'm genuinely wondering who thought this would work. Like, it's, there was a point where I was, it was in the middle of this character's big scene, and there was something I realized where I was like, Oh my god, I actually agree with the Snyder fans on something. This Zeus sucks! <laughs> now, I don't agree with him that Justice League Zeus is good because he's not in much of the movie, but... <laughs> but I generally agree, this Zeus is terrible. <laughs> well, they would have said this Zeus sucks regardless of, like, the actual quality of it. I get that, but do you realize what kind of existential crisis I'm put in when I have to think to myself, oh my god, I agree with the Snyder fans on something? That's terrifying. It is! It's so terrifying. Um, no, a lot of the humor was terrible. The action wasn't very fun. The effects were... I don't want to say laughable, because that would imply I'm laughing at people who recently revealed that they're in an abusive work environment, so I'm just going to say I can tell that they were made by people in an abusive work environment, and that just makes me sad. Let's put a pin in that specifically. I want to talk about that, too, when, you're, okay. when we're done here. There's also something um, I want to talk about, too, about mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> yeah, so... Because I can't talk about the movie, because I haven't seen it, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I said... It's really bad. I think this is one of those movies where the humor took up too much of it. And don't get me wrong, I don't mind Thor taking a humorous tone. I liked Ragnarok for that, but that knew how to keep the humor balanced, and this one doesn't. 
In a way, it feels like what would happen if Ragnarok was bad. So, I uh, on a score of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it a 2. And I it's a movie that only barely skirts away from being a 1, honestly. I'll probably like it more than you, knowing me. But probably. I probably. No, even hardcore MCU defenders I know fucking hate this movie, so... A lot of background noise. Yeah, sorry. So you guys sorry, mentioned you wanted to me. you wanted to talk about the whole um, effects team shit that was going on with Marvel. Yeah, partially. Um, just a little. But go ahead first. Um, I ju- I think that this is a very long time coming. It's a big problem. It's like a prevailing issue in Hollywood about the fact that uh, VFX creators are largely not unionized Mm -hmm. and that's what allows like you know crams like this and abuse of the system like this on Disney's part and all the big studios not just Disney but I just I very much I hope that this doesn't get like you know quelled quickly at all I hope that this inconveniences everybody and it it forces. I it for. It, it, I hope it forces. Um, ultimately, what I think. I what I hope it will do is force a union. I don't know if it will. In the climate we have today, we simply don't have the climate that we did once upon a time for this kind of a thing. But I just. I, 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 I it, with you. I, it's time to change that. Mm-hmm. I mean considering most major studios are wanting to make these massive effects-heavy productions because they know that makes some money. You know, it's it's pretty awful the ways in which the people who make them the money through those effects are treated. It's really unfair. I think this is one of... There are a lot of labor rights issues railing all over the U.S. But I think this is going to be one of the most um, public and engaged one. I think this is just cool. I think that this is, this could represent a really important turning point if we can get the public to pay attention to it because it's all well and good for us to talk about um, the un- the first uh, Starbucks store to get unionized and stuff like that, but there's only so much the general public's going to give a shit. Um, this is a spot that's actually going to draw a sort of public attention, and I just I, hope I agree that, with you. I hope that they stand their ground, not just with Disney but with other studios, and I really, really hope that it, it can spark and inspire um, a larger pro labor movement across the country. I I'm with you. I hope so too. Capitalism runs people over. Unfortunately. What did you want to add? To there was okay, so there was something I wanted to talk about, but I, I I was keeping to my promise of not wanting to engage in discourse on Twitter. Uh, I wanted to do um um, and I, I'm not saying you can't. Obviously, it's, it has nothing to do with whether or not you like said film that's coming out or or Love and Thunder. I mean, um, I feel like Twitter's need to create a villain um, 
weirdly turned onto Taika um, in a way that I felt was a lot less, uh, not very generous. And I'm I'm not saying, you know, he made a great movie or whatever. I haven't seen the movie. Um, but there was this, like, sharp turn where they made him the villain. Yeah, uh, that was so fucking weird. And I was genuinely getting frustrated at the ways in which not only were they were they starting to rail on him because he made this movie, but they were also blaming him for those effects, like the label rights issue with, with that. And I feel like that's, that is a gross oversimplification of the pro- problem. And it is weird that they are, this issue has been going on, I know, for like a while. And it's weird to do it on one of the rare non-white filmmakers. Like, that that can't be over, overstated. Like, or understated. You know, you know what I mean? It's just been very frustrating to see them turn on Taika, uh, you know, someone who isn't white. And saying, hey, you're responsible for all the worst things, and you're actually a terrible filmmaker and a terrible person. And I feel that's really, really weird. It is really weird. And I'm, listen, listen, I'm watching people unironically be like, uh, just like Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it's like going straight over your head. Yeah, like with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Weird how this just keeps happening with brown men. Yeah. Weird that. Like, I need you to stop and think for five seconds about this blatant pattern that y'all keep <laughs> making jokes out of. Like, no. <laughs> no. No. Where is not... this energy of any other white directors? Exactly. Right. It's not. It's because Taika and, like, it's the same, it is the same thing that happened with Linda Miranda, where everyone on, on the internet decided to turn him into, like, the, the embodiment of everything that's wrong with American liberalism and the Democratic Party, and it's like, the dude's a Broadway composer. Please shut the fuck up. Right, right. Also, it's like, um, so, what, like, okay, don't get me wrong, Tyka said a few things that I vehemently disagree with, and I'm wondering, what the fuck are you talking about? But not enough to fucking vilify the guy, you know? Like, more just a head-tilting, like, dude, what? <laughs> Like, um, well, I, they were like, I know. Did you ever see that clip that was going around of him joking on the Vanity Fair press thing? When they were right, I about, don't. Right, I didn't like him doing that, but I don't think he deserves to be fucking crucified for it. I just think it's like, dude, what the fuck? He made. I think it. It overall, it was pretty harmless. He was making a quick joke with someone that he works with in a press junkin thing. He wasn't thinking, ha-ha, I'm screwing over the effects people. Ha-ha. Right, especially considering you know, that this might have been recorded before that all came to light, you know? Right. Yeah, who's to say just, exactly when that was recorded? And it's weird. It's just so... Right. The it's, anger I saw from white people mm-hmm. was very... Um, another thing I saw, I remember this one Twitter post where it's like, this guy goes, I don't understand why Taika Waititi has become something of an icon in the LGBTQ community. I mean, I'm not part of the community, but, and then I just stopped reading right there because I was fucking dumb. It's like, if you're a straight person and you're wondering why a, the LGBTQ plus community loves someone, then that's not your conversation to have. Shut the fuck up. Know your place. 
Like, stay in your fucking lane. Yeah. I mean, he also made our flag main, or work done. Our flag our fl- main stuff. And that's, that's it. And that's another stuff. thing. Like, people say, oh, Taika didn't actually want Love and Thunder to be gay. This was just, this, like, that was a Bullshit. lie. And it's like, fuck you. Like, if any director wanted a Marvel movie to be gay, it's him. And it's like, we need to understand that if a director wanted some, wanted queer representation in their movie for, for like, any, or any studio, honestly, but especially for some something like Disney, and it doesn't get in, it's not them. It's the fact that the studio sucks. Right. These films are not, like, solely made by by one filmmaker with one vision. They are, these are people, the directors, are people who are hired to come in to lead a team dictated mm-hmm. by a set of guidelines mandated by Disney and Marvel working together. And here's um, the thing. Here's, what, here's another thing we need to understand is that Taika is not exactly, Taika Waititi does not exactly see his Thor movies as a passion project of his. I remember there was an interview back when Ragnarok came out where he just flat out admitted he took the job because he just wanted the money, and that is completely respectable. I do not see that as a bad thing, honestly. If you're offered a chance to make a big studio film and they have a big fat paycheck for you, fucking take it. And can we also, like, recognize that I want to just, give a little bit of, of love back to Taika because I feel like he deserves a little bit. Um, realize the fact that he's producing some of the great, some of the best television. Like, did, did any of you see Reservation Dogs? Because that show is phenomenal. Right, there's a, right. And of course, like I said, Our Flag Means Death, which was a fucking right. phenomenon. So, yeah. like, like what that yeah, show did, what that show did as a queer, as a queer, as a primarily queer show is fucking incredible. Well, and I. But go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say I don't. I particularly. The thing I tend to dislike the most whenever this happens, because to a degree, not to the same degree as like we discussed, it happens happening to brown men. But you know, people get to a point with these, where like once a film Twitter has decided that we don't like a filmmaker, a creative anymore, right? Suddenly everybody wants to do this like. Retro, like, like, retconning. Oh, of I, everyone, never liked, of everything. I never liked oh, his work. Suddenly, for... he never had any talent and bullshit. Like, like, oh, what we do in the shadows was okay. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You can be annoyed with a human being for reasons and not do this thing where we're like, oh, I never liked him. He never had talk. Shut up. Right, like, there, there are filmmakers who make, who make shit that I don't like. But that doesn't automatically erase the good movies they make. Like when fucking James Cameron's Avatar came out and I wasn't a fan, I wasn't suddenly like James Cameron make... I don't think anyone was, actually. No one was like James Cameron never made good movies, because that'd be a fucking stupid thing to say. I'd say most filmmakers have at least one movie, if not like... If if it's not like... like super poorly received, it's just not considered as as good as some of the other works. Every right. great filmmaker has that. Even Scorsese. You know? Yeah, yeah. Scorsese has had duds. I mean, like I said, I mostly like Tyka's work. I don't like Love and Thunder. I still like his works. <laughs> like, oh no, he made a bad film. Oh no, we're fucking human. <laughs> like, and it's, it doesn't. Um, it's just so much purposeful. It's this desire, um, especially in the landscape of Twitter, to be smart, feel, feel and sound smarter than everybody else. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah. It's so ridiculous. Like, ugh. film Twitter is so annoying because they're either re- railing on a director for making one bad movie or they find a movie that was heavily praised for very good reason and now nitpicking the shit out of it to say it's actually bad, actually, cough, cough, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Oh, I, uh, I, I, I still think this conversation is interesting, but I did see everything, everywhere, all at once, now. What did you think? Uh, uh, it was fucking phenomenal. I gave it five stars. Hell yes. It was, it was emotional, it was smart, it was funny, uh, it had amazing action sequences. I don't know, it just, like, it, and I, I know that the film only had, like, what, a team of, like, six or so special effects people? Right? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like, this was a film clearly with a budget, but my god, it... The film looks amazing. The film looks amazing. Like beyond its incredible story, it looks incredible. It's visually like engaging, and the performances from everyone across the board were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That that movie is my favorite movie of the year so far. Really close to the Batman. Same, same. I when I saw Bell at the beginning of the year, I didn't think anything was gonna beat it, and then this came out, and I was like, shit. <laughs> oh shit! I need to see Bell. Mm-hmm. That's 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 on my list. I will watch that one and get my thoughts on it too. But I'm glad I finally got got a chance to check out everything everywhere at once. Uh, I need to see. I need to see it still. Oh, you! Sh- I won't spoil anything. Uh, you should see it. I know. I want to so bad. Um, yeah. I think my favorite movie of the year so far is probably The Black Phone. Oh, I'm seeing that tomorrow. It was really what, fucking good. What What's the What's the film? Uh, the black, black phone. phone. Oh yeah, that I oh yeah I need to watch. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll maybe I'll see that tomorrow as well. I'm like I have a I'm part of a rewards program with my theater, and I got a free popcorn for seeing Love and Thunder. I guess as a th- as a sympathy gift. <laughs> hey, you got you got you got some money. Yeah yeah yeah, I got a free popcorn. Like I I see movies for free on the card already, and it has a free popcorn ready for it. It's like oh okay. Uh, no, it's not a sympathy gift. It's part of a thing where if you see like all the Marvel movies, like it'll like on your account, like buy the tickets for each Marvel movie on your account. It gives you like additional points and a free popcorn. So because I saw both Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder, I got additional points on the account and a free popcorn. And I guess I get even more if I go see Wakanda Forever. So I need to decide if it's worth supporting a movie that kept on an anti-vaxer or not. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, this- that is like the most cursed goddamn film set, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad for them. I feel bad for everyone who's not the anti vaxxer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. There, there was like. There's been like a lot of weird anti-vaxxer things with celebrities and actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched I watched the show, it's on Fox called 911. I, that's the guilty pleasure. I kind of enjoy these these like firefighter slash medical Oh, drama. I know which one you're talking about. Did you hear about I'm this? I'm a fan of that one too. It was, I, yeah. No. 
Uh, what happened? What's going on? Um, you know, and it's Angela Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. That was a big reason I started watching it is because I love Angela Bassett. Yeah. You know her her character, her ex husband. You know who's gay. Uh-huh. In the show? Okay. So yeah. the actor who plays him um, was kicked off the show because he refused to, to get vaccinated, and he said it was because of his religious beliefs. And then he tried to sue for discrimination on his religious beliefs. Uh, it's so fucking... Oh, my God. It's just I know. His character was good, but I didn't know that the guy was... Fully, you know, you know, and I guess I hate when they use that. I hate when they use, oh, getting vaccinated is against my religious beliefs. What fucking religious beliefs? What fucking religious beliefs? Did you pass Right. I want. Did your, like, whoever church you go to, like, make it up two seconds ago because they were mad about it? Point, point me in the verse of the Bible that God, that Jeebus said that you're not supposed to get a pokey in the arm. It's the people who are anti-vax, but otherwise, um, you otherwise utilize modern medicine. For right. Them, really. I worry for the people, for the children of the people who are, you know, crazy enough to not believe in Western medicine, quote unquote, at all. Yeah. But at least uh, they have a consistent belief around it, which is that God yeah. doesn't want you to use it. Like, at least you have, like. At least that's there, right? At least that's consistent. It's the way I feel about libertarians a lot of the time versus, like, mm-hmm. other types of Republicans. I'm like, at least you've got an ideology for the most part that you're sticking to. And I can respect that, even if it's insane. <laughs> but, like, with the people, the anti-vaxxers for the most part are otherwise still, like, going to the When they get COVID and are fucking dying, they're still expected to be, expected to be put on a ventilator. So, like, that's that's the thing that really – that's the brand of this that really tends to piss me off. I, I hate it, too. Remember those people who were making fake cards and they were going around in different stores trying to say that, like, you know, I am exempt. An ADA exemption from, or some shit? It's like, that's not yeah. how this works, motherfucker. I'm wearing a mask. It's always – it's always the far right Christian crowd. I swear to fuck. <laughs> Listen, I worked um, in retail in 2020. I got a job at Target, and I'll never forget this one time a lady came in, and this was like well before anybody was vaccinated. Like everyone was still definitely supposed to be wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lady walked up to my register, and it took me a moment. To fi- Something was so off about her, and it took me a second to figure out she didn't have a mask on. Like, it didn't even dawn on me for a whole 30 seconds. And when I realized it, I was like, I do need a mask. Like, I was just so confused. I was like, how did we make it inside and walk around the whole store without a mask? How did no one say anything? Like, this was a point when, like, and I live in California, right? So this was a point Mm -hmm. where it was very, very much like, no, you were getting told to wear this thing. Um, and she was just like, I'm exempt. And I didn't even know how to respond to that because I knew for a fact that we, my store did not have a policy like that. I remember when I worked security, like they were the fucking work, like this, like the place I worked security at, um, which I won't name due to different, all kinds of different reasons, but so 
back when the this was back when COVID was just starting to come up, like, and a lot of mask mandates were being put into place. They didn't like they didn't they didn't implement mask mask mandates until like the la- until that until the law got on their asses. And initially, when all the businesses were shutting down, they kept going, even though they weren't an essential business. They I'll just. I can't really divulge what what they did, but I can tell you right now, it was not an essential business. Like, like you you could stop it and it'd be fine. But then we had fucking police officers at our goddamn door, like for being open when it's not an essential business. And the manager fucking I remember this in order to in order to alleviate this problem. The manager put a poorly made sign up in front for this big ass company set that just said this is an essential business. And then when they find and then when they finally did implement mask policies, they wouldn't let people use their own masks. Like you had to use the ones they gave out to you. Like and they were so fucking stingy on this. Like no. even even if you had the right even if you had the exact same same type of disposable mask they were handing out. No, no, no. You need to take theirs. <laughs> that company was huh. a joke, and I'm glad I left it when I did. <laughs> yeah, they sound awful. Um, you know what I was thinking of when you were when you were mentioning that all that whole thing is mm-hmm. that there was a Huntington Beach over in California restaurant that put up a sign that said um, that was going to not let people eat at the restaurant if they were vaccinated. Oh, Jesus. And then they said, we have zero tolerance for treasonous anti-American stupidity. Thank you. For oh, punishing. my God. <sighs> I remember hearing about that. I remember. And it was good fucking luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Uh, I I sent it in the chat, but I have a picture of what the sign was. Oh. It's just um, annoying and frustrating as you think. Once it loads, <laughs> <laughs> you just are, but speaking how you you your comp- the 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 business that now sh- shall not be named. Um, uh, they sound they sound very stupid. <laughs> Should I should I read should I read this out loud in the most obnoxious voice I can muster? Yes, you can even read the title of the restaurant so that people know not to fucking go there. Bal- Basilico something or other, I can't really read the word. Notice proof of being one vaccinated required. We have a zero tol- tolerance for treasonous anti-American stupidity. Thank you for pondering. <laughs> how do you how do you That's submit? Probably- how do you submit proof of being unvaccinated? I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um, I have no idea how they thought that they could. You they you could can't prove that. a negative, you fucking dipshits. <laughs> but knowing, listen, this, these people think, also... these people think they're the funniest people on the planet. They think they're hilarious and so clever, and that they're owning the lid so hard with stupid shit like this. 
You notice how they don't stand for anything? They their don't. Entire viewpoint, their, view, their entire viewpoint is faulty. Yeah, they're they're fucking stupid. Yes. I probably gave them a much more classy voice than they deserved when I read that. <laughs> Hold on, let me try. We have, these, we have these really weird pockets of stupidity here in California. If people forget this, a how big a state California is, but b that so much of our state is like actually very very rural. Rural. Yeah, that's true it's too. It's very rural. There's lots of cow country. People forget this. There's so many farms all over California. So you get these really small towns that are like these red hot spots. Just the fucking worst. Yeah. We have some fucking proud boys here. Oh, fun. I saw a video of, of um, a group of Proud Boys trying to forcibly enter into a building when they were going to have a drag show. So, you know, that's fun. Jeez. So, uh, these are probably the same crowds that, that, that seem to think most movies now of gays invented having gay shit in them when that's been around forever, so. They... They what? Oh, I'm just I'm frustrated by the 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 sheer lack of stupidity these people show, like like uh, the Lightyear thing, you know, for example. Look, movies have always had. Oh my god! Look, I was I watched I watched Highlander, a movie from the '80s, a, a few days ago with some friends. Highlander was gay. It was one of the gayest fucking movies I watched. And I don't even think it's subtext, honestly. Like, the villain is a leather daddy Clancy Brown. I, I'm sorry, this isn't straight. <laughs> like, the whole plot of the movie involves two men fighting with their very phallic weapons all the time, and when one of them wins, they have this orgasmic rush called a quickening. And, like, that movie had, like, a cop who got on, who was being an asshole and a bigot because he thought the main character was gay, and the main character just punched him in the face because this movie's A-cab, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, it's got music by, uh, Queen. It has, yeah, it yeah, I was also gonna say, it has, it has an entire soundtrack of Queen music, and that's all that plays as far as vocal tracks go, is just Queen music. This movie is not straight at all. That sounds really straight, Jazzy. This is such Freddie Mercury was a heterosexual man. (laughs) Yeah, this is a very... Lizzie, have you seen Highlander? I haven't. It's on my list and it has been for a while. Yeah, also, um, Sean Connery's outfit is the most flamboyant shit ever and I love it. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, there's a lot of queer undertones in that movie and I think it helps that the director is, um, the director is an openly gay man. I think there was in, there was a lot of intentional oh, okay. shit behind yeah. it. Like, you have the scene where Connor, the main character, finds out he's immortal, 
and he's kind of ostracized from everyone as a result. And the way it's framed, it was almost like a fucking coming out narrative, I swear to God. I'm not looking deep into this movie. It's that gay. And I love it. And again, Leather Daddy Clancy Brown chewing the scenery is the best part of the whole thing. I'm looking at the, the director, his filmography, and it's interesting to see what he did. Uh, what else has he done? Uh, I thought the of his extinction. I can't, I'm sorry, there's a lot of background noise, I can't hear what you're saying. He did Resident Evil Extinction. Oh, dang, okay. Was that one gay? No. <laughs> I don't know. He also did two episodes of Third Reasons Why. Um, oh, no. Four, he did 40 episodes of Teen Wolf. Hmm. I guess that's gay. Yeah. Know, well, was there gay characters in that? In Teen Wolf? I think there... I never saw it, but I heard there was, and I know... 13 Reasons Why, as bad as it was, I am aware that there were queer characters in that, so. Yes. Like, yeah, so. 13 yeah. Reasons Why is an interesting mess of a show. It is. Uh, I think I'd be more fascinated with it if it wasn't botching the topics it was handling. <laughs> it tried to. It tried to make up for things in later seasons. Um, I don't think it was successful, but you know. Speaking of TV shows, um, I got through uh, season two of Clone Wars recently on my little watch of that series. What'd you, what'd you think about Clone Wars? Oh, hold on. Headphones. All right. Season two. Okay. Regala Jazzy. Yeah, so season two. So if you're, I think I talked about season one on, on this podcast back when I finished yes, that. Yes, um, yeah. If you recall, I said it was good. It had a lot of problems, but and quite a few episodes I didn't like. But the ones that were good, I was really enjoying. This one blows season one out of the water. I really like this one. The episodes I wasn't big on weren't even that bad. They more had small issues. But there were much less episodes I didn't enjoy compared to the ones I did enjoy. This was really good. I, there was an entire five-episode arc about a second battle on Geonosis, which I thought was the big highlight of the se- of the season for me. Like, I enjoyed most of that arc, aside from one episode, which tried to be scary, but then it had this big Geonosian queen with the worst fucking voice ever and made it laughable, but other than that, that entire arc was really good. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember that, but yes. Yeah. That season, I think the show gets better as it goes along. Yeah, it, this was definitely a sign of improvement. Like I said, I enjoyed that, but the other major highlight of this season for me was an episode called The Deserter, where basically they land on a planet to find Grievous, and Captain Rex is injured, and he's brought into the care of a farm family, and he finds out that the, that the, uh, that the, uh, the father of this family is a clone that, that, um, that ran away, basically. Oh. And, that one was a really good episode. Like, first of all, it gives more development to Rex, who is by and large my favorite character at this point, so. But it's, it also plays with an I, idea. I, I think the, uh. Go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. No, you can go. Oh, um, all I was saying was I think the show is 
one of the strong points of the show is getting to humanize and understand the clones as characters. Yeah, I agree with that. And this, like, so the first season dipped its toes into this idea that some clones may resent the fact that they are bred to just be soldiers and nothing else. The fact that they are forced into this life that they may not even want. Um, they kind of played with that in the episode, in the season one episode, um, Hidden Enemy, where one of the clones ended up betraying everyone to the Separatists in, in, in exchange for a, in, for getting a new life. This one just played with the idea that one ran away the first chance he got and decided, and basically met someone and started a family. Basically, got the life he really wanted, um, and making Rex kind of have to contemplate, does he fight for the Republic because he genuinely wants to, or because he was given no choice? And it ends with him making the decision to continue fighting, but doing so under his terms, which I thought was a great character moment. Like, this character is still doing what he was doing before, but now he's doing it because he wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. Rex is such a great character. I'm with you. He's, mm-hmm. I can see why you, you love him. Uh, he's, he's, the show does a phenomenal job with these characters. I think that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. one, that's what maybe outside of Ahsoka, it's probably its strongest aspect. In my yeah, mind. yeah. I'll say this. This season really improved on Ahsoka. I was kind of mixed on her in the first season, but I genuinely loved the episodes that focused on her this season. I feel like, her character growth is genuinely interesting. Um, I love the fact they give her time to interact with other Jedi, ma- like other um, Jedi superiors outside of Anakin. Uh, it's a shame that the episode I probably liked the least was one that was focused on her, and that was Lightsaber Lost. And it wasn't even because it was a bad episode. It's because it had a shitty ending. Like, so the episode was about um, Ahsoka gets her lightsaber pickpocketed and has to go get it back, um, and she doesn't tell Anakin, because Anakin constantly in- enforced this idea onto her that this weapon is your life, which, you, if you recall, is a very shitty statement made by Obi-Wan back in Attack of the Clones. So this dumb oh, idea... Right. Okay. This dumb idea was passed to Anakin, who was passing this dumb idea to Ahsoka. And the way the episode is framed, it's the way it's causing her so much anxiety, I almost felt like it was being critical of that line in the same way I was when I was watching Attack of the Clones. It felt like it was being critical of this idea that your worth as a Jedi is 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 is, is dependent on this on this weapon, which is not a very Jedi thing from my perspective. That's more a Sith no, thing. No, it's not. That's more a Sith thing yeah. if, I'm, if we're being real, like putting your worth in something that kills. Um, so the entire episode's going on, it feels like it's framing it as, like, this, this thing is a bad thing, and Ahsoka needs to learn that her worth as a Jedi is not dependent on this weapon, but by the end of it, this Jedi Master who, this mostly pacifistic Jedi Master who's helping her out, which was a character I really liked, suddenly just pulls out a fucking lightsaber, saves the day, and that lesson is once again reinforced as a good thing, which, fuck off. (laughs) I was so mad. That was, like... That was, that's the one time this season I was genuinely annoyed. Yeah. At least, though, on the whole, it sounds like you you liked the season a lot more. Yeah, season two was really good. And because I'm watching it, this in chronological order, I've already seen a couple episodes of season three, um, like near the beginning. 
And I will say... I did the same thing as you. Yeah. Yeah, so, and those episodes were Clone Cadets and Supply Lines, and while Supply Lines wasn't anything to write home about, I really fucking loved Clone Cadets, and I can't wait to see more based on that episode alone. I'm with you. That was a good episode. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm... Going through I'm it Mm-hmm. I've been mostly do, just doing an episode a day. It's been, it's pretty much become a part of my daily routine. So, <laughs> if I don't That's do it, I was doing... yeah, if I don't okay, do it, okay. I said, yeah, I was about to say, if I don't do it, I feel like something's messed up in my schedule. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Um, I that's what I was doing with um with my rewatch of Avatar and Korra, which I finished both. Nice. Um, I I still like both shows. Um, cool. I, I obviously I think Avatar: The Last Airbender overall is a much is a better show, um, mm-hmm. but I, uh, Korra I enjoyed every single episode. I enjoyed every moment of it, and I like the characters, and I like the way the series grew and changed and and incorporated things, and I like that it had a more mature tone uh, at times. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know I I feel like. I feel like I can understand the misgivings with fans and, you know, and even your perspective, I'm not really digging it, but I, I think maybe it's cause it's more avatar, but I like it. Um, but now that I've moved on from watching those two shows again, I decided to rewatch, uh, Arrested Development. Uh, oh, nice. Which I haven't seen in years and it's still very funny. Uh, there's even some like comments on like, on like racism, which I think they handle fairly well in this episode. I saw. I've actually uh, never seen Arrested Development. I haven't either. I, it's uh, I, I, bear in mind it's a show from 2003, so I'm guaranteed there's there's some moments where I'm like, okay, this is a little bit you wouldn't see today. Um, but I would say the show is not like trying to be edgy. Uh, I think it's pretty funny, and it makes fun of, like, rich assholes, essentially, because that's the concept of the show. The show is that Michael, played by Jason Bateman, uh, is the one responsible son in his family of self-absorbed assholes who grew up wealthy, and his father is basically is arrested in the first episode and dealing with all his crooks, uh, the crookedness of his company. And Michael is doing his best to keep everything together, including the financial stuff. Um, so, but the that show is fascinating, kind of like Freaks and Geeks, in that it has like all of some of the most like famous or at least well-regarded comedic talent, like all in one thing, kind of like how Freaks and Geeks have, like, Seth Rogen and James Franco and, you know, like, like you know, Rest of Development has, obviously, Jason Bateman, Michael Sarah, Will Arnett. Uh... I am inhumanly obsessed with Freaks and Geeks. I fucking love that show, and it breaks my heart that there's not more than one season. Yeah, I need to go back to rewatch that, but, yeah, that was a good sh- That was a good <laughs> That is a show that, that balances, I, I don't know, it felt like it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It's like Stranger Things, if Stranger Things wasn't about monsters. It was just about... Um, <laughs> it was just about these kids in high school. 
Have you seen any of that, Jazzy? Freaks and Geeks? I have not. Okay. It's it's basically a high school dramedy. I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, coming of age show. Um, it was Judd Apatow, right? He made the show. And um, Judd Apatow worked on it, but it was, what's his name? Paul Feig. It was Paul Feig's baby. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, I just, I knew, I knew that Judd Apatow, that was kind of where Judd Apatow and his relationship with Seth Rogen really, like, started. Yeah. Yeah. Is they met making that, they worked together on that show and got super close. And then, you know, you know know how that went. (laughs) Yes. I mean, obviously, and same with James Franco at the time, too. Again, it was like, like I said, Arrested Development, kind of a similar fix to Geeks, only in the sense that both of those shows had super talented people, like, all working together before they became huge stars. So, but if you want a, a, a funny show, Arrested Development is worth it. Uh, just bear in mind, it's from 2003, so there are moments where you're like, Little little cringy, but it's still mostly really really funny. Uh, oh, and um, the directors of every, almost every episode I've seen so far of the first season, I completely forgot, are Anthony and Joe Russo. Oh, okay. So like first Wild. episode, both of them work together, and then they alternate directing episodes. So you'll see like episode like directed by Joe Russo or so. If you want to trace their career back uh, with their days working Lots in television. Lots of on to bigger and better things here. Yes. Well, better totally. is debatable, but bigger things. Big, yes, bigger things. Now, I have to keep watching to see if they stick on through the second and third season. I would imagine they do. But I think they also directed on Community, correct? Mm-hmm. I I'm actually not... also haven't seen Community. These are, these are my um. Like I said, bo- like, like I said before recording the podcast, I I am so behind with TV. My friends have only just recently been showing me Breaking Bad. So, and uh, what, what are your thoughts on Breaking Bad? Keeping in mind that I still have the last four last four episodes left. Breaking Bad is genuinely one of the best shows I have ever watched, and I say that being far removed from the hype. Like, I like watching it after the hype has pretty much died down and gone to Better Call Saul, so... Yeah, that no, that show is phenomenal. I think the acting is some of the best I've seen. Mo- like, every scene with Brian Cranston's great. Aaron Paul fucking knocks it out of the park in every moment. Like, I don't think there's been an episode where I ever thought his performance, his performance in particular, was lacking. Um, I just, love Aaron Paul on this show so much. Mm-hmm. I love Jesus. Uh, uh, I really love Jonathan Banks. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but I love the dude who plays Gus Fring. I thought he w- he was one of my favorite performances. Oh, I uh, John John Carlo. That's yeah, him. Is. Yeah, him. He also plays uh, Lex Luthor in the Harley Quinn show. So <laughs> yes, he does, and he was also Moff Gideon on on uh, <laughs> in uh, what's it called in Star Wars: A Mandalorian. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, and then obviously for Far Cry 6. Yeah, um, 
who like who else in terms of performances? Um, I only needed one episode with Bob Odenkirk as Saul to be completely sold on a spinoff with him. <laughs> like, oh, Saul's great. Yeah, the minute I saw him the first time, I was like, okay, I'm already sold. You, you I told my friends, you don't need to convince me to watch Better Call Saul. I'm already convinced. <laughs> um. Anna Gunn, really fucking good. She shouldn't have been given a lot of shit from people on Twitter because Twitter sucks. Uh, really, all the performances are great. I don't think there's any performance in this show that I found lacking. Um, and it was also funny because um, Matt Jones as Badger, I believe the character's name was. <laughs> the way I recognized that was him was as soon as I heard his voice, I realized it was Wedge from the Final Fantasy VII remake, who Matt Jones voices, so... Like, oh, okay. And which is funny, because Aaron Paul was also in the Final Fantasy movie Kingsglaive, so I found two Final Fantasy references in this fucking show. Two Final Fantasy connections. Wait, you said Aaron Paul was in the Final Fantasy movie? Yeah, he was in, um, it was a movie called Kingsglaive. It was like a prequel to Final Fantasy XV. So, basically, Final Fantasy XV tried to be this, they, Square tried to make it this mega franchise before the game even fucking came out. <laughs> Similar how to... Was that movie? How was the movie? Yeah, how was it? Did you like it? King's Life? Fuck no, it was awful. <laughs> it's... Okay. I don't, it, I don't know anything about Final Fantasy, so I just was curious. Like, it's a movie... Its only existence is to explain a few details behind the context of Final Fantasy XV's story, and I don't know why they couldn't just do that in the fucking game. Um, it's visually impressive. I thought the animation was good, and they managed to drag they, they managed to get in not only Aaron Paul to beef up the to get a bit, bit of stars into the mix, but also um they brought in uh Sean Bean and Lena Headey because this was around the time Game of Thrones was very popular. But like. Neither of them, none of these big actors add anything to these characters. They're just there for their star power. And it's probably the first time I've, I could ever say with confidence that I found an Aaron Paul performance forgettable. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like that entire movie is just, it, it only exists to give context to a game with plot details that should have just been in the fucking game. Because they were trying to do like a multi, a multi-media type story presentation with fifteen. Because they had like, they had a prequel movie. They had an, they had a six, a five or six episode anime series that, to to give oh. the back to give the backstories of the main characters. Because again, we can't just have this in the game for some reason. Final Fantasy fifteen's fucking weird. And here's the best Is it part. Good? It's a fun game. It's just weird. Like, and then they had DLC, some of which was going to lead to an uh, to an alternate ending, like that completely throws off the events of the original game's ending. But it got canceled when, like, when they still had three left to do. So the remainder DLC stories were compiled into a book. So to get the full story of this game, you need the game, a movie, an anime, a bunch of DLC, a, a, an online multiplayer game called Comrades, a mobile game, I think, and, and a book. This is hilarious. Oh. 
You need all this shit just to fully understand one game's story. I miss when video games just told the story in the game. I I think that concept can work, but it seemed like it was a bit of a mess. It was. They were what they were trying to do, and I can tell you exactly what they were trying to do here was um so Final Fantasy VII, when that game became big, got a whole bunch of spin-off titles, including a movie and even a one episode, a one-shot anime. Like so, but that all came out after Final after Final Fantasy VII found success. After it was this big juggernaut of a title for the series, they did all this before. Yeah, they did all this before. Yeah, they wanted to recreate. (laughs) I was about about to say, they wanted to recreate the same magic that got Final Fantasy VII popular, despite the fact that at a time, they had a remake of the fucking game in development. (laughs) Ah, Square, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't understand. I love this company's games. I don't understand this company. When do companies make good decisions, though, ever? Rarely, like... (laughs) Good creative decisions, I should say. I... Like... Like, even game companies I love, like, I'm a diehard Sega fan, and even they make questionable decisions like that fucking Sonic Frontiers demo. (laughs) Is that that new game, right? Yeah, like, speaking of which, I guess a lot of people got up in arms because, like, I guess they did an interview recently where they said for the game's story, they wanted to focus on a more human aspect of the character of Dr. Eggman, and, like, I guess some people thought that was stupid, and now everyone's getting mad at the people who thought that was stupid, and I'm just sitting here going, it's a scientist shaped like an egg, I don't care how you handle it, just as long as it's good. (laughs) As long Internet discourse about things like that is so weird. Right. Yeah, we are getting discourse on the humanity of a character that is named Dr. Ivo Eggman Robotnik. Uh, discourse is fun sometimes, I'll give it that. <laughs> I'm just looking. Sometimes it can be funny. Yeah, this is fucking hilarious because I feel like no matter how you feel, whether a more human angle to this character would work or not, I personally don't give a shit, but, like, regardless of how you feel, it's funny that there's whole discourse on the humanity of do- of a character named Dr. Eggman. Oh, sometimes discourse goes in the weirdest of directions. I shared this the other day, but I saw an interaction where I'm not gonna get into talking about this because it's a lot, but it's the whole Anne Frank, Jewish, oh my white God. privilege thing. But I wanted to talk. In the head. I wanted to talk about something else that happened underneath one of those posts. Two people were were getting, you know, like kind of arguing or at least having some sort of interaction, and they were arguing about when Anne Frank died. Um, well, apparently the person thought that the, that Anne Frank was Helen Keller. Oh my fucking <laughs> This is not the first time I have heard of that, and it's definitely not about to be the last. No, it's not the first thing that happened. You know what, what my thought was? It fucking happened in Clerks 2. There's an entire scene <laughs> where Randall, where Randall 
thinks that Helen Keller is Anne Frank. I'm just like, did Twitter just reenact a scene from fucking Clerks, a movie that came out like 15 or 16 years ago at this point? There's been a lot of weird interaction with Kevin Smith-related stuff, actually. Random side note, but I got blocked blocked on Twitter by someone who was upset that I used she, her pronouns to refer to God, and that was really funny. <laughs> God is Alanis Morissette. We all know that. God is Alanis Morissette, yes. Who boops <laughs> you on the nose. Jazzy, have you seen Dogma? I haven't. I really need to. It's one okay, of my we favorite. Kind of spoiled it's... it, but we kind of kind of spoiled <laughs> it. But God is literally Atlantis Morissette in the movie. Well, that's fucking amazing. It is. That amazing. movie's great. That's it's it's one of it's Kevin Smith's I think amongst his more more absurd movies. Not his most because Tusk still exists, but it's one of his. It's definitely one of his more absurd. Smith as a filmmaker because I actually like a lot of his movies. Me too. Me too. Okay. That's, I mean, I, I'm wondering what, what the general consensus on him is, and I, I, I genuinely like a lot of a lot of his, his comedy films. Kevin um, Smith I'm, makes what he wants to make. Like, I feel like Kevin Smith is like a comedy version of Rob Zombie. Not nearly as talented as Rob Zombie, but he's like a comedy version of Rob Zombie, and that he makes the movies he wants to see. I think his movies are better than Rob Zombie's. Gonna fight you, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie makes it. <laughs> Rob Zombie is, but he doesn't know how to apply it. <laughs> I, I, that's just my thoughts on his his work. You're allowed to Kevin be wrong about stuff every now and again. Crystal. No, okay. hey, I'm right. No, you're not. I, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pose this question on Twitter and ask. <laughs> I'm going to let the people decide. <laughs> While we're on it, um, have you guys seen the trailer for the Munsters movie? Uh, I, I no. It's confusing. I I have... not, I'm not confused at all. I don't understand what everyone's confused by. No, it no, I'm like... not hating on it. Okay. I'm just confused by the, the editing of the trailer. Uh, like, nothing in it. Like, I'm excited about the concept. I think Rob... I, I like that he's a he's a Munsters fan and he's getting to make his own movie, which is trying to capture the spirit of the old show. But none of the jokes landed for me. I I try. That's a much more <laughs> fair criticism. What I keep seeing people being like, "Why does it look like this? Why does it look like this?" Because he's intentionally made it look like an episode of the Munsters. Oh, I'm fine with that. It's I'm, shot, I'm I know cool people are acting that. so confused. I'm like, not confused I think, because I think it was a poorly edited trailer. I think there's also I think there was a, a very large subset of people who thought that his Munsters movie was going to be like House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I think people thought he was going to take um, a more traditional Rob Zombie direction with it. And he didn't. He went in the exact opposite direction. You know, he's making it. He's making it a very sincere adaptation of the old show. And I think that because he loves it. Because he loves it. He wrote a whole one of the best like metal songs of the last 
past like 40 years is about the monster's car. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that song kicks ass though. That song does kick ass. I'm not gonna sit here and listen to anybody, any other opinion. But like, I, I think that that's a big part of the strange reactions I'm seeing to it. I'm seeing just so much befuddlement, and I'm like, <laughs> I just think the, the editing of the trailer was poor. I'm so excited about the movie. I have I've never seen the trailer, and I have no opinions of anything regarding this oh. movie, one way or another. J- Jazzy, it's a it's a ride. You should watch it. Right now? <laughs> no, no, you don't have to read it. You don't have to right now. Just in general. Um, but by the way, this isn't the first time that Rob Zombie has made a comedy film. I'm talking about what? the haunted world of El Super Bisto. <laughs> have you seen that? I... Jazzy. Drob Zombie made an animated movie called The Haunted World of El Super Bisto, and it's filled with an uh, weirdly amount of celebrities. I completely celebrities. forgot. And it's, I completely it's like forgot Looney that Tunes. existed. It's Looney Tunes with nudity and, like, really the stupidest kind of joke you can make possible. That sounds amazing. It's gory. There's a character That's... who's played by Rosario Dawson who's topless the entire movie. Uh... David Cross plays a robot with his gun as a penis, I think. Hmm. His entire role is just sexual innuendo. Like, it's it's wild. I think you might actually enjoy it for the fact it's crazy. I oh, probably Paul, would. Paul Giamatti plays, uh, was it Dr. Satan in that? Hmm. Anyway, that's, that's Rob Zombie's other comedy project he's worked on. And I need to watch it again. I don't know how dated it is, though. <laughs> I'm worried if I go back, it's like filled with racist things. I'm like, oh no. I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to give that one another watch. Not many people know that don't exist. I love Rob Zombie. I've seen most of his movies. I really, really love Rob Zombie. I. <laughs> I try. He's a very hit or miss director. I'm not gonna uh, listen. He's a particular kind, right? Rob Zombie is what... And, like, you either really fuck with him or you don't. I still need to see Out of a Thousand Corpses, to be fair. I saw Devil's Rejects. That's kind of a hot take for me, but um, because it's his first movie and by quite far and away his sloppiest. But House of a Thousand Corpses is my favorite Rob Zombie movie. It just uh, tickles the right parts of the I thought your favorite was Halloween, too. I fucked with Halloween too. It you would do? be so okay, good if it wasn't that hate that movie. I know. Here's the thing. <laughs> Halloween two would be a. Fi- I, I I believe this wholeheartedly, and I, I to be fair to be fair, I stole this take from Count Dracula many many years ago. But I believe wholeheartedly the first two Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween movies would be like beloved and fantastic if they weren't called Halloween. They're weird movies. I saw the first one. Um. That first one was so structurally so strange. Like the first half of of Halloween is 
is like a really interesting and dark Rob Zombie uh, troubled kid turns murderer story for at least well, his, that was the right? movie he wanted to make Rob Zombie wanted to the movie Rob Zombie wanted to make um, and did it was just the first half of that and okay then the so hearing that in, now makes sense yeah. And then the Weinsteins came in and were like, no, the second half of this movie has to be a super condensed remake of the original Halloween. And he's like, that's not, that wasn't the movie Rob Zombie wanted to make. He wanted to make The Childhood of Michael Myers, which I do not agree with Rob Zombie's interpretation of what Michael Myers' childhood was probably like. But I don't, but that that's neither here nor there. Because you, you're right. Yeah. The first half of that movie is really fucking good when you take it as its own thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say the first half is the best part because it's very much him. It's weird if you put it into the context of it being Michael Myers. Probably shouldn't be. Um, but it's still an interesting Rob Zombie film. But then that second half just fucking falls off the rails. <laughs> like, imagine trying to do a full slasher movie in the second half of your movie in about, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes? And then this extreme abrupt shift uh, on who your protagonist is, like, I'm sorry, it doesn't, you're not going to get me invested in Lori when I've spent the entire rest of this movie following Michael. Yeah. You can't suddenly perspective switch like that. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. (laughs) So, when it comes to Halloween, Halloween is one of those franchises where, I think I mentioned this before, but I've only ever seen the first one and decided I liked it so much that I don't want to watch the sequels or the remakes. So, and I'm just hearing you guys describe this fucking Rob Zombie movie, and I'm sitting here going, how do you condense Halloween, a movie that is so drenched in its own suspense and taking its time, how do you condense that? Um, uh, by, by making it really, really gory and badly. Jesus, like, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it. People are saying I should watch uh, that the Halloween movies would make a good live tweet for me to do since I've never seen the sequels, and I'm inclined to agree. But I'm also kind, of, but I'm also a stubborn bitch who doesn't want to, st- who doesn't want to get off of I only watched the first Halloween movie and don't want to watch the sequels. I horse. Um, I'm like that with the sequels. What? Oh, well, I haven't seen the Crow sequels. I Is there any point? There's no, no, there isn't, and I refuse to watch them. I had a friend um, text me the other day. He's like, what? Because I, I showed him the first one. And he was like, hey, what do you think of the Crow sequels? And I'm like, I haven't seen them on principle, and I won't, because I have heard nothing but that they're bad, and I find the capacity in which they were made to be disrespectful to the way that Brandon Lee it died on set. Like, I just, everything about it to me is like, no, you made a perfect movie. Um, a promising young talent died in the process of making that perfect movie, and now you stop. I don't think we've talked about this, but I love The Crow. I fucking love I'm getting a tattoo for The Crow. I still need to see it. <laughs> it's, um, it's very much um, a, a vibe. <laughs> it's, uh, it's got its own style got its own like suspense and it's it has a it, it wears its heart on its sleeve it is a very sincere movie and that's got a lot to yes. do with why i love it as much as i do because I, this is part of why i don't want to fucking remake if they try and remake the crow they're gonna buy there's gonna be a bunch of wink wink 
smarter than the audience bullshit that I don't fucking want in The Crow. The, the Crow is such a hard thing to also adapt. I feel like that first movie amazingly did it well, but like the Crow comics are the writer creator of those comics is dealing with, with the fact that his girlfriend died in a hit and run accident. Like and it's, his, it's, a pro, it's him processing his trauma. They're like really, really raw comics. Yes. They're, they're, they're basically grief and trauma drawn onto panels. Um, so it's and wild to me that they've considered like, it a franchise. Like, it, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like honest. Here's the thing. Honestly, if I were to and, and maybe this is so that maybe this is me telling on myself that my opinions aren't worth anything. If you had come to me and shown me if I had only ever read the graphic novel and that movie didn't exist, and someone said, "Should we have? Should we adapt this at all?" I would be like, "No, are you insane?" Uh, yeah, same. Um, and then they did, and they made one of the best one of the best movies ever, ever made. I think it works out of because it. it's sincere. Exactly. If this doesn't work, if you are not completely sincere in your delivery of the emotions in this story. It seemed like they, they, it was a film made with, with like care and love and sympathy and understanding. I just don't, I don't buy that a remake is going to, is going to hold on to that. And I. (laughs) No. I think they would just make it some action movie, you know? They would borrow the goth aesthetics. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And they would make um, a regular action, a revenge action movie. I feel like people get the wrong impression of what The Crow is. I agree. Yeah. People get really wrapped up in the aesthetic, which to be clear is a big part of what makes it work. But, but like, it's much more than the aesthetic. It's so much more than the aesthetic. And listen, the, the, one of the this only other piece of media, I like external media I've ever seen, like understand and capture the crow is the Einstein Kills song that they wrote about the movie. Oh, yeah, that song is beautiful. That song's beautiful. It's my favorite song. Um it's gorgeous and it's perfect, and it's the only other piece of external media I've ever seen where someone, like, understood um, the combination of pain and anger and grief and beauty and the... Love. And love at the core. Like, that's the thing people don't get, is the core of this movie is about is about love. <laughs> You're making me want to watch it again. <laughs> Go watch it! I'm... <laughs> Okay, listen, the three movies um, I've seen the most in my life are The Crow, Freddy vs. Jason, and Scream. Okay. I, uh, you know, the, the other two I've are the most of are, are Scream and Evil Dead 2. <laughs> I, think, I think also closely followed in the top five, I guess, the other two that, that are there, definitely so, there would be Christmas Vacation and um, The Company of Wolves. What what top, um, what movies are we what movies are are we talking about top five movies of what we've seen oh, the we most just talk about movies we've seen the most of oh movies we've we seen really, I, I both realize we both have Scream 
as some of our movies we've seen the most. Uh, I'm trying to think what movies I fucking... Well, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is definitely up there, because I admitted on Twitter yesterday that I can quote any scene from that movie on by memory. I gotta pee on her. I mean, I gotta pee. Pee time. <laughs> See, I can I can do it. Just give me a line, and I will tell you exactly what follows it up. Jazzy, are you in lesbians? I'm in lesbians with you. What? Okay. I really, really mean it. <laughs> My girlfriend and I say that to each other all the time. We're in lesbians. Uh, so that movie. So <laughs> cute. So that movie. Um. I'm going to say Spirited Away, considering one of my earliest memories was seeing that movie in the first grade. So I'm going to say that was definitely one I've seen the most, especially since any time it was available at a Blockbuster or Hollywood video, rip, uh, <laughs> I would always rent it, like, or I would ask my mom to rent it for me because I was a child. So uh, I'm going to say The Lion King was one I watched quite a bit. That's enough. That's another one where I don't know if I have the same memorability with the lines as Scott Pilgrim, but that's another one where that movie's just so familiar to me. Like, I have such a familiarity with that movie. Um, fuck, what else? What else? Uh, trying to think. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Um, when I got that on DVD for the first time, I watched literally nothing else, so. Um, and I'm gonna say, what's one more? That I watched the shit out of, that I probably watched the most out of more movie, out of any movie ever. Uh, probably Revenge of the Sith, cause that was like my, that was like young me's Star Wars. I don't like it as much now as I did then, but like, that was another one where when I got the DVD, that was all I watched. In fact, I think the original DVD I had got scratched. And it kept freezing at a certain point, so we had to get a fucking new one. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> um, so those are all good choices. I was gonna—you mentioned Lion King, and I was—I—I I was an Aladdin kid. <laughs> oh, my poor parents! I—I I was a Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast kid. So Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast is Actually, not so bad, I think, for an adult to watch on repeat. But Cinderella. And I still love it as an adult, but those fucking mice must have driven my parents insane. <laughs> I think another one I watched that's probably in the top five, if not, like, maybe out of Respectful Six, is probably Treasure Planet. That's another one I've watched the shit out of, so. I have actually not seen Treasure Planet since I was, like, a really little kid. I still yeah. watch Treasure Planet. I fucking adore it. <laughs> I should really watch it again as a grown-up, because I just never got a super attached to it as a kid, but I... My understanding is that, um... People who love Atlantis really, really love Treasure Planet, and I am obsessed with Atlantis, so I... Those are the two movies I want to go back to, because that's that era of Disney when they were, like, you know... Doing was, something They were making those two duds. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah, and I'm always up for more experimental stuff in media. I mean, I've been doing a marathon of Dreamcast games. That's how... That's how... <laughs> that's how hipster I am, if you want to use a word for it. <laughs> You said you uh, played through Sonic Adventure on Twitter, right? I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I played through both Sonic Adventure games so far. I like them both. I know a lot of people say neither is aged particularly well, and in some respects they're right. Still fucking fun, though. So, <laughs> Like, I mean, I still sing <laughs> City Escape. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. I sing a... Whenever I play Sonic Adventure 2, I always sing along to all the vocal tracks. Primarily, City Escape at the beginning of the game, and Live and Learn at the end. Like, I will... Like, I was fighting the final boss singing along to Live and Learn, and I don't even care that no that no one could heard me. Actually, no, I was in a call, so someone did hear me. It was probably weird, but I don't fucking care. Got places to go, gotta follow my rainbow. Can't stick around, have to keep moving on. See, I can... That's another one I can do from memory. Um, but yeah, no, but yeah... So yeah, I like both those. Currently in my Dreamcast Marathon, I'm kind of alternating between two games, which are um, Skies of Arcadia, which is an RPG that focuses on Sky Pirates, so I'm kind of into this already. And uh, nice. Shen- and uh, Shenmue. Um, oh, I- Shenmue. Yeah, I fucking love Shen- I am. I was so happy revisiting Shenmue. That's another game that's clearly aged quite a bit, especially with how open world games have evolved since then, but... It's so fucking cool to see, like, the origin of a lot of things in games we kind of just take for granted now. The fact that there is this open world. The fact that all the NPCs can talk. The fact that there's actual facial animations. These are all common today, but back then this was, like, a new thing, so. And it and it's entertaining with the fact that the voice acting is shit. <laughs> it's so entertaining. I love bad voice acting. Right, and it makes me so excited to play Shenmue 2 because the voice acting is even worse, and I love it. <laughs> is it nearly as bad as Resident Evil 1? <laughs> oh no, I think Resident Evil. I think Resident Evil 1 is the like king of bad voice acting in video games. I mean, I'll say this: the first Sonic Adventure, and by some extent Adventure 2, also had some pretty bad voice acting, which was fun That's to true. listen to. Like, Adventure 2 was better, but it still had, like, some line reads that were so weird. Like, there's a bit where, like, Knuckles, I think, was trying to sound threatening, and he sounded more whiny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like, when you have the fact that you have, like, over 200 NPCs that all need these distinct voices, working in a limited talent pool of English-speaking actors in Japan, of course the voice acting's gonna sound terrible, and I love it. <laughs> I don't know, like, and it's weird because the third game tries to recreate that shit voice acting, but the problem with that is they tried to do it intentionally, and you can't do it intentionally. There needs to be sincere effort in your shit. That's true. Well, I feel like with with uh, with that note about um about Shenmue that I need to actually go back to and either play and or watch somebody play because mm-hmm. I'm with you. That's one of those games that I've missed that I've been curious about for a long time. Um, so I need to do do that. <laughs> well, I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to each share a bit of our uh, unique personalities today. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, or, but with that, I should probably, we should probably be time to wrap it up. As much as I'd like to continue talking for hours. <laughs> uh, but, do you want to plug? Plug what? What do you ask me to do? What am I consenting to? I mean. Plug, Jazzy. Plug. Plug. Ugh, okay. <laughs> um, you can find me over on Lady Jazzington on Twitter. 
you can also find you can also find me under the same name on Twitch. Uh, currently, kind of streaming rather inconsistently, but still streaming. Uh, you can also find me on my YouTube under Jazzy Oliver. Recently posted a cover on there where I sing Welcome to the Internet by Bo Burnham as Bill Cipher from Gravity Falls. I had a lot of fun with this. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Lizzie, do you wanna do you wanna tell the good people? You can find me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter and the Final Whore on TikTok where I just kind of talk about whatever's bothering me that particular day. Um <clears throat> I finally recorded the script I wrote uh, for my screen video essay that I wrote two years ago. Ooh. <laughs> I finally recorded it last night. It's bad. It's going to take me a thousand years to edit because I'm bad at recording things and half of my shit is packed. But, you know, I did it. A step forward has been made. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, if you keep an eye on me, maybe eventually. At some point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a big step, so. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. And, of course. And uh, I'm Crystal Williams. You can follow me on my medium at Crystal Williams, where you can read my articles. Um, I haven't done one in a little while. I probably should do that. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Crystal to be Rocks, where... I get mad at people and make really inappropriate sex jokes, but what do you expect from me? So, <laughs> and with that being said, thank you for listening to another episode of the Gals of Geeks and Podcast. We will see you all next time. Goodbye, everybody. Boy. Boy. <laughs>